absolutely there's that I like that first layer and the second layer you know having someone on guard now the other thing is is if this is a holiday party you know who has to be on duty <laughs> who's got to work and then do you oh god do you have to compensate them You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Today, my guest is both a friend and colleague, Karina Lemons. Karina is the managing partner of the Lemons Law Firm in North Carolina. She has a wealth of knowledge in various areas of the law, including employment law. Since my topic is tis the season for the company holiday party, I wanted to chat with Karina to discuss issues facing employers during the holiday season, especially those with the company party. We talked about the normal issues and liabilities that companies, uh, parties can, can cause, as well as the extra twist, of course, of COVID-19. We had a spirited chat, and so I hope you enjoy this Legal Skinny episode, tis the season for the holiday party. Welcome to the Legal Skinny Podcast, Karina. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Trisha, for having me. This is exciting. Oh, yeah. This is exciting, especially because you and I get to talk about parties. So uh, I haven't gotten to do that yet. um, You know, you and I like a good party, right? Yes. I put on my party lipstick for you all today. That's right. Everyone get on my normal work. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not my normal work color. This is definitely going out lipstick. Just for you all. Oh, yeah. So check us out on YouTube so you can see Karina's uh, awesome uh, pink uh, glam kind of lipstick. I've got uh, red with red. I don't know. Some people might object to that, but I went with it anyway. I was like, I'm doing it. It's the party episode. <laughs> I should probably wear something more sparkly. Yeah, but <laughs> we're going to have some fun today. Let's Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, I've told them a little bit about your background, but let's discuss a little bit about, about your work from your perspective. I practice employment law, but I represent mostly employees. Um, I do discrimination work. I do um, work with the Department of Labor. Um, Most of my Department of Labor representation has been for small businesses. Those businesses are typically in the 
home health space or group home, um, group, the group home business. I also practice bankruptcy and entertainment law, but my primary uh, work that I do on a daily basis is definitely employment law. Yeah, which makes you me. Um, we have a good shot because I'm primarily representing the employer, and so um, you know, there's always good good things to talk about. We'll be talking about them from both perspectives here today. So um, I think it'll be great information. I mean, you know, we wanted to do this episode. You and I had talked about this off the air about like, you know, parties is a thing right now. You know, you know, we're going through COVID, but parties has always been an issue in the HR sort of employment law realm. Like, you know, it even though there, you know, a lot of employers may be deciding what they're doing during the holiday season or what they're not doing, you know, we're going to talk about it from the perspective of like, hey, there's a lot of stuff that comes together with the party stuff. Uh, COVID is a piece of that now, but it's sort of like a whole pie of, of, you know, potential issues that employers have to be aware of. And I think sometimes, you know, you maybe decide to have the party, you pass it off to whoever organizes that, which may not be the people that really look at the liability risks, right? It may be, you know, it may be someone in HR, but it may, may totally not. Maybe the people in marketing oftentimes that are, hey, how are we going to play in this party, you know, and they, they're starting to try to figure it out. So, um, you know, sometimes you have to have both those pieces together to really make a very thoughtful decision about how you're going to have um, some type of holiday celebration and if you're going to have a holiday celebration. So starting off, let's talk about you know, the elephant in the room, we've got COVID, you know, to be or not to be, do we, do we do this party in person or do we hold off? What are your thoughts on this? Well, at least in the state of North Carolina, which is where I'm in, you know, where I practice, um, there is a limit of 10 people for indoor gatherings. So um, probably not going to happen unless you have a really, really small office. Um, so for us, it, it would be a challenge to try to do something in person um, unless you do it on a really, really small scale and just like put cookies in the break room or something. I don't know. Um, a lot of companies in our area are allowing employees to work from home. So, um, you know, there is a lot of the virtual, you know, uh, networking, virtual interaction going on already here. Um, but I know you in Texas, y'all have different requirements there. And if you're I in the state, that allows for the gatherings. <laughs> and if you live in a state like Texas where there's more flexibility, then you can try some other things that are creative. Um, so if you're going to have something and it's not too terribly cold, consider having it outside. Um, we went to the family. Um, you know, even though everybody said don't, but our family is a part of our, our quarantine cluster because they're, my parents are keeping my kids and they go back and forth between here in North Carolina and South Carolina. We visited a restaurant where um, the majority of the seating was outside. They had set up tents with heaters and air condition and they had the little candle set up for uh, bugs because, you know, they've been doing this since the summertime. And they served people outside just as if they were inside at the restaurant. And so, you know, that is a way that you could do a party is if you have it outside where people can, you know, spread out. 
um, where you have activities and maybe different stations set up, um, that would be a way that you could do the party. You could also consider doing something where you're broadcasting um, from a stage or one location, and then you have one or two people from time to time come on the stage to, you know, to, to do something, you know, host or facilitate a, an interactive activity, a game, or a performer, you know. And if you are going to do something like a band, consider having that pre-recorded. And then um, if you're going to have an outdoor gathering or indoor broadcast it, you know, on a big screen. So there's a lot of things that you can do. You know, I know that, you know, this, we're talking about the workplace environment, but, you know, I was in a meeting on the phone yesterday with our church and we were trying to figure out, well, how are we going to do our celebration? And some of these same things that you would do um, for a large group such as a church are the same things you would do for a large group such as a company party. You want to get creative, um, see if you can bring the party to people remotely. But if you can't or, or, you, or you just don't want to do that, consider having it you know, outside or if you're going to have it inside, make sure that you've got the markers on the floor, you know, like this, you know, the distancing, the social distancing. Because regardless of whether or not your state allows for more than t 10 people in a gathering, you still have the, the, state, the uh, health concerns associated with that. You don't want someone coming, up, coming to your party and saying, I was forced to go and now I've got COVID and I'm in the hospital on a respirator. You know, so you, you don't want that to happen. Yeah, I think those are all good points. I think when you're trying to figure out like, okay, and, you know, here, of course, in Texas, um, you know, the limitations were, have been expanded out uh, and haven't been brought back. And so some employers may be considering how do we do the holiday celebration? I mean, the first initial thought is it's overwhelming because, you know, uh, maybe it wasn't that big a deal. You didn't think a lot about it. And you usually just had marketing plan it or had the office manager plan it. And, you know, really you weren't that concerned about whether or not, you know, you were following all these guidelines, but there's some risk and liability that someone comes that, like you said, they felt they were forced to come that, you know, uh, they get exposed, they blame the employer for being exposed and, and, you know, is there exposure and liability as we, you know, watch lawsuits come out about COVID, you know, all things that the employer has to think about. So if they're trying to figure out how do I follow what CDC would recommend, let me tell you, there's no CDC holiday party uh, website. I, I went all over the website, guys. <laughs> I looked. It's not there. I even went to the Texas Department no of Health and Human Services. There. They don't have a holiday party <laughs> section either. Um, for us, that's the, our Department of Health. I'm sure you have a different one. But the, of course, but the, the one thing you have to kind of figure out is, okay, am I going to have a virtual one? Am I going to have it in person? Or am I going to do some type of hybrid? You have a concern that you you know, there's this always the little concern of about Americans with Disabilities Act and making sure everyone feels involved. If you've already got people that are having to work at home, clearly from the issues, I, I think it's a question you're going to have to have a hybrid. You can't not involve those people in something like that, or it could be considered, you know, you leaving them out and being discriminatory towards the fact that they um, have some condition that, uh, you know, a physician has said that they need to work from home if it's been accommodated in that way by the employer. So that's another layer. I've actually now done a hybrid event uh, with about, um, you know, 20 um, business individuals uh, in, in the room, all spaced out. And then 
about 10 or 15 at home. And I try, it took a while to figure out the logistics because I'm not loving all the electronic stuff of all of that, but you need a couple more mics, a couple more ways for it all to connect, but it was totally doable. And I got a lot of compliments on the fact that it worked. I was actually impressed. It worked as well, Karina, but, um, you know, there are more logistics in that. It does kind of seem like a headache. So, um, you, you should practice that out if you're going to be doing some type of hybrid event and trying to figure out a way to sort of have them interact either with each other, um, while still watching what's going on. If there's some entertainment, like you suggested, um, maybe you do a game that everyone can kind of participate in or something like that. I mean, um, it's hard because you're going to be limited in the in-person actions too. Like, you know, you're not going to have, or maybe you're, you're probably not going to have like your dancing situation that you would normally have, right? Can't just set up a dance floor and well, have a baby. You could. If you okay. have the hybrid situation, you can do a band or a, you know, a singer. And they can be on the stage either live or they can be broadcast. My suggestion would be is allow that band or that singer um, to uh, be allow the video to be played at the venue, whether you have the venue inside or outside, um, as well as allow that video to be broadcasted to those that are that are participating virtually in the gap in the um, celebration. Um, so you could technically, and especially those people at home, they can dance. And if you require masks, you know, make make masks a part of the theme. You know, why not have it a masked holiday party? And, you know, maybe have a contest, you know, on the best mask um, or have a theme on what type of mask to get. You know, is your theme going to be blinged out or is your theme going to be um, more along the lines of a costume party, you know, kind of thing. Um, so there are some creative ways to make it fun that even though you have these protocols and restrictions in place to make people safe, that you are taking those things and incorporating them into the celebration so that it doesn't seem like it's, you know, restrictive. You know, you don't want it to seem restrictive. This is a party, you know? So why not utilize those things? You know, um, a lot of restaurants will have, and a lot of stores, establishments have those markers. Um, on the ground. And I saw a commercial the other day for um, promoting small businesses where they highlighted and made sure that the camera zoomed in on the markers on the ground. And so that's something that you could also put on there, you know, make it some type of, you know, um, scavenger hunt or prize, you know, the person that finds this marker and stands on it gets, you know, gets something, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, look under your chair and if there's a golden ticket, then you want a trip to Hawaii. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I like, I already like that employer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, most employers will allow you to earn something like that, but you never know. You never know how business for some, some companies did very well during COVID. Some failed and some are struggling, but there are some companies that did very, very well, depending upon what their niche, their niche is. Yeah. I mean, I like that with the markers. So could we have a dance floor and you, we could have a uh, little like places where you dance on the dance floor so that they're all, okay, wait a minute. So I have music suggestions. I looked this up for this podcast and I want to tell me what you think about this. All right. How about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers don't come around here no more? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. <laughs> One of my favorites, of course. Okay. And then the police don't stand so close to me. <laughs> Perfect. Right? Perfect. I think I just already started some people's song lists. They're going to go right from today and be like, that's it. I know what we're playing. Absolutely. You got you got the playlist started right there. And do the cocktail, you know, do the, the cocktail food or, or however you're doing the food. That's, you know, there's a way to do that as well. And I, most of the restaurants are already kind of have ideas on this. You know, um, the buffets are kind of looked at as a no-no, uh, even if a buffet was um, something that, you know, you were used to doing or even even any sort of like um, potluck situation is kind of looked down upon because of the sharing of all that, all that sharing. So the individualized little food things, uh, if you're looking for that, believe me, there's plenty of foodies out there that have already addressed that in their blogs, uh, how to do COVID with the, the foodiness. So you can do like a, a charcuterie uh, plate, individual people just pick up and go and take back to their place or that's it's passed out by waiters or waitresses. Right. Um, so you can still have fun, um, the food, the drinks, you know, just go for more of thinking, okay, how do people spread germs? You know, one is, you know, the use of common utensils and everyone's hands touching the same kind of thing. So just eliminate that. You don't really need it. I mean, there's plenty of individual foodie stuff anyway that you could serve. So uh, that would be something to think about if you're doing the in-person for sure. Yeah, a lot of those parties, you have the servers that come around and serve the hors d'oeuvres. So like you said, they could serve a plate or they can serve, instead of using tongs, they could serve the hors d'oeuvres with toothpicks so that there's no double dipping. Um, you know, because I would be concerned about the tongs touching the plate of the person that's, you know, getting more and more hors d'oeuvres. But using like, a, you know, the toothpicks for each of the hors d'oeuvres and having the servers come around and, and serve those. Um, I love the idea about picking up a pre pre-made plate of, of orders. Um, so there's definitely a lot, a lot that you could do with food. Absolutely have a plated meal if you're going to have a meal. Um, heavy orders are, are going to be probably be your best bet. But if you're going to have a meal, let it be plated. Give them their plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give them their plate and they eat and then they're they're done. Um, but yeah, there's, I would say definitely look at your Department of Health and Human Services organization um, in your state and see what the guidelines are for restaurants and follow those guidelines. Also get a COVID certified catering company or, you know, uh, a, a company, a party planning company that has a certification. I know that in the, um, in the film industry, there's a certification that you can get. Um, to help minimize liability on set. So there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, certifications that you can get out there to make sure that those companies are being compliant with uh, the CDC guidelines. Yeah. And I think just in, in, you know, in closing on the COVID issue, you know, you and I like to see that, that you got a plan. So you, why not communicate that to the people attending? So wh while you're while you're going with Karina's whole mass theme here, whatever that is, um, <laughs> like as you do that, you know, you know, you're rolling out the fun stuff. Make sure somewhere in there you're rolling out what the guidelines are, and and we're going to talk about that in a non-COVID situation right after this. But just from a COVID perspective, you know, let people know what you're doing because it'll make some people feel better anyway. 
hey, we've taken these precautions in order for us to make sure that this is a safe situation. Uh, certainly, if you're going to go all virtual, there's a lot of fun in that as well. Although there's a lot of people that are Zoom fatigued. So maybe um, you you would kind of mention to me something called a holiday gift option if you kind of want to explain what that is. If if they're they're feeling like they're, they're employees, maybe they're all on Zoom all the time. And so they don't want to do a, a virtual like that. Absolutely. Um, so the best way to do it would be to look at your budget for the holiday celebration and take it and divide it by the number of employees and send them all out identical, identical gifts, or um, it could be, um, you know, a bottle of wine or um, a gift certificate for one of the food delivery services, such as, you know, Uber Eats or DoorDash or um, one of those type services. You can also send out baskets. You know, you can, there's just a whole lot that you can do. You can send out branded items, you know, with the company logo on them. Um, if you've ever, a lot of you are watching are probably part of the event planning in the company. So you're familiar with the promotional items that they have now. They have, um, I got a wine stopper from one of my events. Um, uh, they have, uh, you know, all kinds of like pin lights and there's those uh, little things that you use to open the door so that you don't have to touch the door. Um, and those really? you can buy from, yeah, they have, I didn't know what it was because I attended, I've attended several virtual conferences. So I just threw all the stuff that I didn't need, or I thought I didn't need into a box and gave it to my staff and was like, y'all fight over this. And so my paralegal, she uh, came to the door and she's like, oh, I need one of these. I was like, well, what is it for? And she grabbed the door with it so that she didn't have, and you can use it to turn the knob and to open the door so you don't have to touch it. Interesting. So yeah, I feel like half, half the time when I get those things, I'm always like, what does this do? Like, I need like a, and there's no, sometimes no yeah. explanation for it. But yeah, I mean. Those are, those are always interesting. Certainly, I always feel like they're creative on like the new techie thing that you may want to have as a gadget to kind of um, have with you. You could always combine that with a food item too. Like, hey, here's a, a promo, you know, whatever it is, Yeti, you know, um, you know, stainless steel holder with our logo on it, you know, for being with the company. But here's also a box of chocolates or a bottle of wine or whatever it is. You know what I mean? To kind of... Um, to sweeten the deal so people love Absolutely. a little bit of something fun to eat as well. Absolutely. There's the the um, possibilities are really, you know, endless. It just depends on what your budget is and um, trying to make sure again, that you're considering everyone, you know, um, dietary needs, if you're gonna do food, um, religious considerations, you know, do you have people that don't eat meat or don't eat pork or don't eat this? Um, so, you know, if you're going to do food, maybe stick to, you know, the good indulgences like chocolate, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing that stick to the thing that everybody wants, but nobody needs to have. <laughs> there you go, Karina. They're going to be like, who hired these two lawyers to play in our party? We're like, don't do this. Don't do that. But... <laughs> hey, that's why they're tuning in. They know that we're two lawyers trying to talk about party planning. But uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll leave that to the experts if they want some more. There's plenty of blogs out there and party planners. I thought I thought I think these are some good ideas. Like it's you got to think outside the box right now. Um, but 
this party planning thing, Karina, it's been around for as an issue in the HR realm. In fact, if you're in HR and you're listening to this or you're an owner of a business and you have had a holiday party every year and you have never had an incident, you are very fortunate because, uh, you know, in the world that Karina and I run around in, we hear all the stories and there's a lot that can go on and go bad. Uh, you know, not good intentions, right, to, to celebrate, you know, the holiday season, but, you know, where things can run afoul. And sometimes it um, it isn't preventable. But sometimes a little bit more thought by the employer could have created a situation where um, the employer wasn't so vulnerable when something does go wrong. So if we're looking at like in person next year, hopefully, right, uh, you know, um, or in, in the future, right, and pre or pre-COVID, you know, let's talk about some of the situation. What's the number one thing that comes to your mind, Karina, when you think about a holiday party and the and issues for an employer? Alcohol um, and uh, having someone that's drank too much and you sitting up there and watching them leave the party. Um, also, people getting too much alcohol in their system and getting a little handsy with their coworkers or their supervisor. Um, yeah, those are the, the, the concerns. Unfortunately, my concerns uh, tend to be uh, surrounded around the topic of alcohol because <laughs> it's always on the forefront <laughs> of my mind. Um, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the alcohol situation. First of all, you know, <laughs> some companies, the party, a party without alcohol is not going to be considered a party to them. So if they're going to have alcohol, you've got a couple initial first thoughts. If the party is going to have alcohol, most lawyers are going to tell you, you should probably not try to have that party in a self-serve situation where the employees can serve themselves, like at in the company break room or in the company conference room, where you lay out bottles of wine, you, you bring it, have a potluck. I, I mean, I've seen this done. And then, you know, uh, people are serving themselves wine. And, you know, you, you have no idea how much an employee drank or, and there's no one regulating it. And uh, so... I think that would be the first thing that I think about. Absolutely. You know, hire a bartender, you know, um, hire someone to come in and serve for you. Um, because I don't want to say if you're going to have alcohol, I can't think of a holiday party that I have attended where there was not alcohol. Um, so I'm just going to make the assumption that you're serving alcohol. If you're not, no one's going to come. So you don't need to worry. <laughs> you don't need to worry about any of this. You can just press stop because nobody's coming. But um, yeah, I mean, that that's one of the best ways to kind of um, manage the amount of alcohol that's being consumed is to ration it out, so to speak. Um, you could also give people when they come into the door so many drink vouchers and say that, you know, here's three, two drink vouchers. And of course they can get more. If someone doesn't want theirs, someone doesn't drink, they can take theirs. Um, we all know there's that guy that goes, I don't drink alcohol. And I, he gives it ever, all, all his tickets to, and then there's, you know, John Jones over here, who's going around collecting all the tickets from all the people he knows he doesn't drink, but <laughs> it's layers, right? Karina, let's talk about that. Like the, that's a first yeah. layer. 
first layer to give tickets of drink yeah. tickets. The company can say it only gave two drink tickets. Second layer would be like you just suggested, you know, a, um, a bartender or a caterer that has insurance themselves and a responsibility to not overserve. Mm -hmm. Could, could maybe a third layer be... Yeah, it doesn't matter how many... Could maybe a third layer be some people in the party that are responsible for reporting uh, individuals that may have overdrank? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Um, you know, and absolutely having the bartender that already is, you know, aware of the laws and the, the regulations regarding overserving, you know, it doesn't matter how many tickets Bob collected. If they've seen them eight times and Bob is visibly drunk, then they can, you know, decline to serve Bob. Um, so, you know, absolutely. There's that. I like that, that, um, first layer and the second layer, you know, having someone on guard. Now, the other thing is, is if this is a holiday party, you know, who has to be on duty, <laughs> who's got to work. And then do you, Oh God, do you have to compensate them? I knew you were going to go there. I knew you're, <laughs> you and I were thinking Department of Labor, wage and hour claims. Yeah. So every anyone that's not really hearing where, where, where we're going, Karina, explain to, explain to them the concern about this. So if, if someone is working, you know, then they have to be paid wages. And every state varies on the parameters around that one's defined. As, and then not only do you have your state Department of Labor, you have the U.S. Department of Labor. And so those vary a little bit from from state to state and jurisdiction. Um, but if you're going to have somebody on duty, you know, watching and, you know, yeah, you, you're going to have to pay them. Another thing is that if you really want everyone to be off duty, hire everything. Hire the party planner, hire this, you know, the security or the bouncers, hire the bartenders, the wait staff, hire all of that. So nobody in the company has to truly work. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, the overtime and all that. Um, to see if you can find some one-stop, you know, party services, event planning services that will do that and coordinate with the person or people who normally plan events and plan parties at your company have them team up with the the company that they're contracting with and let them let them do that. But those are those considerations are real, regardless of whether or not you're in a pandemic. You know, those are things you need to work look out for regardless. Let's talk about clothing, apparel. Uh, have you ever uh, seen possibly, I mean, an employer sending a notice saying, don't be wearing that hoochie mama outfit to the, the holiday party. <laughs> I mean, there's clients there sometimes. Oh, Other I'm going to look cute. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look cute at my holiday party. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them, show them what they're missing. <laughs> That's right. That's a no. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's how people, you know, some people think. You know, some people are, are, are more conservative and just say, hey, you know, I don't I don't date anyone at the workplace, regardless of, you know, where it is or how I meet them. I just don't do it. And then there are some people that say it's open season. You know, this is this is recruitment time. You know, um, I'm going to show it, show off and show it all. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so so what if what if what if we what if, what if we have the employers 
in the fun of it and they're explaining what, you know, we're already sounding like, you know, Debbie Downer here with all these rules around the party. But I mean, can we say we discourage inappropriate attire at company events since, you know, you, you're going to be among yeah. coworkers, clientele, vendors, customers, families. I mean, well, I think that's okay. People see us as the, the lawyer of no, you know, they like we're lawyer says can't, can't, can't. But just make it a part of your theme. Just incorporate this into into whatever you're doing. Make it if you're gonna put a disclaimer or a um, or a uh, dress code, you know, on the invitations and the notices, then why not just make it cheeky? You know, just kind of make it fun and light, um, or just say dress code black tie, you know, or just establish a dress code to avoid some of that inappropriate attire or say business casual you know or go with some um attire codes or standards where you don't have to worry about people wearing things that you would consider inappropriate on at the workplace um but yeah i don't i don't think as employers and i'm an employer too i don't think that we need to come from a place of of, of being a parent when we're talking to our employees and when we're addressing um, concerns and issues, I think we need to remember that these are um, adults. You know, sometimes they're professionals, depending upon where you work. But you know, you hired them. You know, and they're competent um, and mature enough to work at your establishment. So you want to give them, you know, the benefit benefit of the doubt and set parameters for um, the people who. Um, may not be as cautious as us attorneys, you know, and incorporate those parameters into your theme, into your invitation, and do it in a light, a light, fun way um, instead of, you know, an authoritative way. Because again, just like the no alcohol thing, nobody's coming. <laughs> no one's coming to your party if, if you preach at them or if you make them feel like a child. They're not coming to your party. <laughs> Yeah. And, <laughs> and of course you want people to come. I, I mean, I think certainly employers hope that the holiday party is a celebration of their thanking the employees and the and employees enjoy it. Uh, you know, so, you know, there's plenty of ideas on how to do all of that. But I think if you're thinking through alcohol, apparel, uh, you know, in, in a cheat, I like that a tongue in cheek kind of way to sort of get it across in the invitation where it's not too luxury, but you certainly again, add another layer that you, you know, you're trying to create still an environment, understanding that there's still a professional environment, you know, um, if it's a business setting and the company's liable for issues. So something to think about, uh, certainly when you're deciding what you're going to do, and we're talking about like, uh, totally outside of COVID, just a regular event. Remember that when you're picking activities to try to be inclusive, if you can, as much as you can, and think about if you have individuals that may not be able to participate in certain um, activities. For instance, if it's an all bowling event and all the employees are are getting on teams and you know playing for prizes, like, well, if you have individuals that are disabled and and they can't bowl, and, and that could be just someone with a back problem. Frankly, uh, I have friends uh, with back problems, you know, since they were in their 30s, and they just they can they can't bowl, and so. Um, being thoughtful about, well, what other activities could we have those individuals do or how could we how could we include them as well? Because uh, those are all issues that you don't think about when you're planning the fun activity, but that later on 
the person says, hey, I felt left out. And it's kind of too little too late at that point, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the after party. So now we've got, you, you kind of started to bring <laughs> it up, more? but like the post party. Now you, you got all these people together. They were hanging out at the company event, wherever that is. And hopefully you've hired a bartender or you're holding it at a place or restaurant or, or facility that has someone that's licensed, um, you know, uh, has some responsibility insurance on their own. So of serving alcohol to individuals. So at that point, is there anything the employer can do when the party's over? It is a done deal. What, what are some thoughts on that, Karina? Yeah, I think um, the company could definitely uh, have in place the mechanism for offering rides um, or ride share service or transportation service. Um, there are a number of them out, out there. Um, they can open up a corporate account with um, companies like Lyft or Uber, where it's just an automatic um, thing where they, you know, they're doing it at a, at a bulk rate. Um but I think they need to plan that ahead of time. And it may not be something that you can plan for this year. Um, and depending on when your party is, if your party's this weekend, I don't, I don't know how long it would take to set that up. That might be difficult. But even looking forward to next year, you know, um, making sure that you have some mechanism in place. Um, I would also be a little bit cautious about um, supervisors offering employees rides um if an employee has is intoxicate intoxicated or has had too much to drink they may perceive that um as as an as an advance um so just be really careful if you know supervisor says hey let me offer you a ride home you know um sometimes it's all in the way it's said you know um but Letting letting employees know in advance that hey you know if if um you know if you don't feel safe enough or comfortable enough driving home, then we do have this as a backup um, for you. So just make those plans ahead of time so that um, everybody feels safe, um, that you're not worried about somebody leaving your party and you know hitting someone else head on um in their vehicle so just just plan ahead for those things yeah i think that's all good and you started to touch on right there like the the kind of last topic i want to let's just talk about the sexual harassment issue uh you know it this is like certainly goes on at company parties uh whether it gets complained about and anybody hears about it it's just tends to happen and when you get in this setting and sort of the alcohol, you know, people start drinking, they, you know, and it can be something as simple as a joke versus, you know, in front of some individuals and, and people take that in a way that they felt like it was suggestive or, um, and, and it could have been like, you know, kind of uh, people thinking, oh, okay, I, you know, I misread that signal the way that they were dancing to, you know, um, uh, you know, I will survive. They were thinking, hey, and they were like thinking it was some sort of situation and they totally, you know, hit on this coworker or, you know, possibly employee that um, they supervise. Um, that situation comes up all the time. And then how can employers do anything about that? And 
you know, what are your thoughts in general about the sexual harassment issue in the company setting? Yeah, it's uh, it's a sticky situation um, when you're dealing, especially with a supervisor and their subordinate. Um, you really, really have to be careful. Um, and like I alluded to earlier, sometimes it's not always what's being said, it's how it's being said. And then what other actions that the supervisor is taking after those those words have been said, you know, are they changing their um, are they changing assignments to given to the employee? Are they giving them worse assignments? Have they um, started giving them poor reviews and evaluations? Are they starting to criticize their work? Um, you know, you want to look at those types of things that happen um, after that supervisor has um, made advances towards their subordinate, towards their employee. Um, same thing with, you know, with now with a situation where it's a coworker that doesn't have any authority over them, um, you still want to make sure that each employee is felt um, that their concerns are legitimate and that they're being heard. And so you do want to do some type of investigation into that. You have other people that are there. If it's a party, you know, you've got other witnesses. So find out, you know, if somebody else saw anything. Um, was there an employee uh, that was following their coworker around all night? You know, um, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't leave them. They kept following them around from place to place. Um, or in, from the outside looking in, maybe they felt like, oh, yeah, they were inseparable that night. You know, but come to find out from the, one of the employees, the employee couldn't get them off their back. Um, so, you know, just make sure that you take those, uh, address those concerns and take them seriously and, um, look and see what other behaviors, um, that occur after that party, you know, are there some other behaviors that kind of substantiate some of the things that that employee is saying, or, you know, like I said, is there a change? Usually, usually you can see, you know, if there's some type of, you know, um, concerns going on in a relationship between two people because there's sometimes there's a change in the behavior. There's a change in the way the two interact or there's a change in the way one treats the other. Um, so you want to look for those types of things. Sometimes it's it's amazing to me as a lawyer who represents employees when I read a statement from opposing counsel that says, oh, we did an investigation and, and found your client's claims to be without merit really did you really <laughs> so, so what you really what, found <laughs> so give me some give me the inside look from your perspective what 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 makes you feel like a valid investigation was actually conducted well a valid investigation would be to um, have a neutral party either an outsider um, or someone even from human resources that doesn't have a connection. If your company's large enough, that doesn't have a connection with the, with the particular employee um, that are involved and have them interview witnesses that the employee um, has asked them to interview as well as the complaining, you know, whoever the complaining party is, whether it be a supervisor or whether it be an employee, have interview people from both sides, witnesses from both sides. A lot of times what I see happening is that they don't even speak with the employee that's been accused of whatever. They go around and do a fishing expedition or start interviewing people um, that they think, 
you know, would have some knowledge or should have some knowledge. And they never get the side of the story from the accused before they draw their conclusions. And so, um, you know, doing an investigation where you actually take the time to speak with the accused employee and see if they can identify some witnesses that can collaborate their version of the story as well. But a lot of times in those investigations, um, they're really just looking and looking for ways that they can support management's um, version of the story. Yeah, I I think you make such a great point there, Karina. Like, uh, you know, the witness, um, not the witness, the the person that feels that the, the harassment occurred, and this could be sexual harassment or discrimination or whatever, you know, should usually be the first, uh, either you get a written statement or have a discussion with them in that investigation, because that's really where sh- the whole investigation should lead you to where you go. Uh, it's, it is tempting, I think, for employers to want to go to the person accused, or I've even heard them say, let's bring them all in a room and have a, a chit chat with everybody, you know, uh, that just like makes lawyers cringe. By the way, no. what are you talking about? You bring the person that said that they were sexually harassed in the room with the person that was harassed. But like, that whole thought process is because, you know, you're not, they're not looking at it from a perspective of you and I that have familiarity with investigations of these types of things. But um, that's, that's a, that's a no, don't do that. Uh, of course, there's confidentiality and trying to protect the person <laughs> that is saying that they, if they truly were sexually harassed, that would be an awful situation for them. Um, and Karina, you also bring up another great point just to, even further clarify on that is that there's two situations you're really looking at here um, from the employer perspective, which Karina was talking about. There's the coworker to coworker situation where you don't have a supervisor that's the potential harasser. And then there's someone in a management or supervisor level as the potential harasser to someone that is um, not in management. And those are different situations. Uh, You have to handle them differently. There's different ways that you can try to prevent them from occurring. For instance, all your your management and supervisors should have had sexual harassment training. This should be something that um, is uh, part of your regular training that you would give management, especially if you do have holiday parties or have social functions among your employees so that um, everyone has an understanding to make sure they don't cross over the line by offering someone a ride home then they treat that person differently. That person feels like they were discriminated against because they didn't, you know, agree to the right home. Uh, those things mean things differently when you're hearing them from Karina's point of view here. Uh, when the when the person sitting in the office explaining to her, take my case, I really was treated, you know, differently after I didn't take the advances of the supervisor. And so um, those are things to think about. Certainly in all the settings, it's a good idea to have a mechanism for these people to if it's their supervisor harassing them, how to get around that person and report to somebody else. You know, some people, um, uh, some employers have, you know, uh, some type of 1-800 line or they have an alternative person in the handbook that they can turn to to report uh, the potential harassment. But you want to make sure that you have that sort of thought through outlet so that it doesn't uh, get to a point where the employee has nowhere to go. They feel stuck. And they do end up going, I'm going to go talk to Karina, uh, see if she'll take my suit and we'll, you know, and the next thing you know, you're getting an EOC claim and you really never had an opportunity to investigate it because you never gave the employee the real opportunity to properly report it outside of their supervisor. So I think those are takeaways I always like to hear um, 
that employers are thinking about when you're talking about a sexual harassment. And that certainly plays into the holiday party situation. It just looks a little different because uh, it's not like the holiday party, it, you know, the sexual harassment issues potentially go away. It just almost elevates it if there's alcohol involved, I think. I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, the, the reporting protocol because I, some of these handbooks, you know, there'll be a reporting protocol that you have to report it to the person, your supervisor is the person you're complaining about. And, um, you know, that just seems just so ridiculous that if they don't report it to them first, then, you know, their, their a grievance or their complaint is not considered valid because they didn't go through the chain of command or it's thrown out because for that reason. So just, you know, make sure that, especially when you're dealing with harassment issues, whether it be hostile work environment or sexual harassment, um, make sure that you have something in place where the employee can report it to a safe space. Some companies have um, hotlines uh, set up um, where they can make those reportings. If you're not big enough for that, you know, maybe have a policy where the reportings go directly to HR. Um, but just be make sure that your you know that your policies are um, straight you know to protect not only you but protect your employees if they have valid concerns. That's right, and there and and just as a note, as we wrap this up, we have seen some discussions about sexual harassment in the virtual setting as well. So uh, be wary of that. Your management should know that jokes and, and, and statements and things said, even though there's maybe no touching between the employees, they should be aware at least not to say something inappropriate. And if there is something that anyone sees, you should try to um, make sure that you're addressing those issues if you have a, a fully virtual environment as well, because it is new and it's not something that everyone kind of had, you know, maybe predicted. And now they ha you have this sort of workforce that's remote and Everyone's trying to figure out how to talk and connect with the people. They're home. They're maybe in their pajamas. I mean, I'm not saying anybody, but, you know, yoga pants or whatever. And you feel a little different than maybe when you're right there in the office and people could, you know, kind of get onto those, you know, Zoom calls or um, go to meeting calls and, and say things and jokes that, you know, may be inappropriate for the work setting. Absolutely. Always keep in mind that just because um, that you may be working remotely and most of the employees are working remotely doesn't mean that they can't drive over to the person's house or that they can't, you know, <laughs> have some type of contact with them. Um, some of the situations that I've seen have been situations where, you know, the relationship may have started virtual, but ha has, you know, had, um, you know, evolved into in person. So just keep that in mind um, that don't think that you're safe just because it's virtual. Um, you know, pictures can be sent from one person to the other, text messages, emails. Um, just because, you know, it's not company email doesn't mean they don't have access. Um, most of the employees that I've spoken with that work remotely believe that their employer has more access to them. Um, and so, you know, there's no more, you know, work phone, your work phone is your cell phone now. So they have unlimited access to you. So just keep that in mind and take, again, if I can't, um, bring home anything else, but this, 
uh, during this this um, podcast, I want you to understand that you want to take the complaints and reports seriously. Don't just make an assumption that it didn't happen. Um, because if someone wants to um, harass somebody else or if not even use the word harass, because it's not harassing in their mind, but if they want to go after somebody else for whatever reason, they will find a way to do it. Yeah. Well said. Good point. And go have a great holiday season on that note. <laughs> I love it. The <laughs> hey, look, we gave some good party point, party uh, planner points here for them today. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They can, then we, we, they should be paying us for this because we gave some great <laughs> ideas. <laughs> <laughs> T TNC party planning. <laughs> That's right. I can already see it. It's our next. It's our next venture. <laughs> the burrito lemons party yeah. planning. We cross state yeah. lines for you. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do the legal skinny rundown with me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Beach or mountains? Beach. Elvis or the Beatles? The Beatles. Most influential book you've read? Grain Brain. What's that about? <laughs> it talks about how um, grains, you know, and gluten interferes with your brain and um, the mm -hmm. way that it functions um, and uh, that it's really the true cause for a lot of illnesses and obesity and, and all of that. Interesting. Okay. The, if dead or alive, what famous person would you invite to dinner? Oprah Winfrey, hands down. Oh yeah, I just uh, I have some great quotes of hers that I just love to throw out there. She's she's a very interesting. I would I would love to have dinner with her as well. Maybe I could join in on that, Karina, when you get that chance. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, finally, one minute or less. What is the skinny on holiday parties for the employer? Um, for this year, if you can um, keep it outside. Uh, socially distanced or virtual um, or a hybrid of both. Um, but even if you're going to have uh, the in-person, have it virtually. Report, uh, uh, give your employees an opportunity in a safe space to report concerns that they have about things that have happened or went on at the party. I love it. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? They can reach me at my website. There's a way to contact me there, thelemonslawfirm.com, one M in lemons, um, an S on the end. They can also look me up on the Lemons Law Firm Facebook page, and we're also on Instagram. Lemons Law NC is our Instagram handle. I love it. I, I can't thank you enough for joining me here today, Karina. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. I truly enjoyed talking about partying. Maybe I'll have to leave here and go to one. Yeah, <laughs> you do that. You do that. So uh, <laughs> that's a wrap on that. That's the legal skinny on Tis the Season for the Company Holiday Party. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.